Welcome to Be Love, Be Well, Be Whole, a monthly podcast with Nicole Raines, licensed marriage and family therapist, and clinical psychologist, Dr. Dina Scott, where we discuss mental health, relationships in all stages and phases, and wellness. The information in this podcast is meant for informational and entertainment purposes and does not take the place of having a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Let's join the journey. Hey everyone, it's Nicole here. Welcome back. Just wanted to let you know that we will be bringing you part two of Gratitude and Grief in the coming months. But this month we decided to take a different stop and we will be talking about our financial well-being. Let's join the journey. Hello, welcome back everyone. It is Nicole um, and having our guest host uh, and now full-time producer back with us, Chanel. So I and our special guest that we will give him a chance to introduce himself as well, but I am Nicole Raines, a licensed marriage and family therapist here in the state of Virginia, as well as in the state of California. Also happen to be a licensed and non-practicing attorney uh, in the state of California, and that's come up quite a bit because that's some of the work that I do now is working with law firms on well-being. So welcome. Um, We have an exciting topic for you this month. It's Chanel. How are you? I am well. I am Dr. Chanel Watson, and I am a mental health specialist, a consultant, and a parent coach. I am here in California, and I'm so happy to be here again. Yes, I'm I, Nicole, and Dr. Chanel Watson. I'm Darvell Williams. I am a financial professional. Um, been doing that for over eight years. And I simply just help people make better financial decisions. So uh, I'll tell, tell a little bit more about myself uh, when we're ready. So excited, Darvell. Um, just really, our podcast is really about like wellness and love, which is the relationship pieces, um, as well as wholeness. And one of the things that really also contributes to our well being when we look at like the eight dimensions that are in it is our financial well being. And it's something that we don't always talk about or we feel afraid to talk about. So really excited to have you on today. Awesome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here as well. Thank you, Nicole. And Darvell, there's something that we like to do as an icebreaker, just kind of setting the tone for the day. And um, it's asking, what is your theme song for the day? So instead of asking like, oh, well, what's going on for you? Or how are you feeling? Or, you know, what mood are you in? What is your theme song for the day? Well, my normal theme song would be Atomic Dog because I'm a cute dog, but we're not going to go there right now. <laughs> uh, my, my theme song for today is The Golden Time of Day with, by uh, Frankie Beverly and Maze, or Maze with Frankie and Beverly. Okay. You know, that, that song, when, I, when that song comes on, it just relaxes me and gets me in a state of mind and a state of uh, appreciation and gratitude. Okay. What about you, Chanel? My theme song today is Perm by Bruno Mars. It's upbeat and I love that it checks your attitude and tells you to relax and it makes me feel happy. I love it. I love it. Um, And my theme song for the day is Renan by Farside. Um, Oh! (laughs) 
Okay, I love your songs. I like so, that, yeah, old school hip hop. Old school <laughs> hip hop. So uh, in the kind of an old school mood today and also just, you know, running. I felt like I was running, but then it's talking about how you can't just keep running away. And I feel like sometimes when we even mention the word finances, people are like, ooh, okay, let me just like not, <laughs> I don't, if I don't look at it, if I don't talk about it, it's going to be okay. But really just wanting to delve into that. So that's where my theme song came from today. You can also follow our mood theme songs on Spotify on Be Love, Be Well, Be Whole Mood. So Darvell, you told us that you are a financial professional and have been doing that for eight years. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So uh, once again, I've been a professional for about eight years. And prior to that, I was in the education field. I taught the uh, high school and middle school finished teaching middle school math and science at sixth grade level. And so uh, then I got into the financial world. And so I, I don't sell, I, I just use my educational style as though I'm talking to sixth graders because I was used to talking to sixth graders. And so I educate my clients and potential clients on the rules, the tools, strategies that we as a people, you know, folks that look like me and you, uh, simply don't know about or haven't been taught and exposed to and ultimately to, to help secure your financial future, make better financial decisions, not only for yourself, but for your family and generations to come, in which we call that multi-generational wealth. That's a tagline that, that you hear all the time. But what does it really mean? And, and you, uh, when you think about it, Nicole and, and Dr. Watson, it only takes one person to change the trajectory of that family's financial existence, uh, making the, the right decisions. And so uh, that's what I do. And, and the way I'm gonna incorporate love and financial wellness and wholeness by provide, I, the way that I do that is I provide my clients with some individualized holistic planning for their present and for their future. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you, Darvell. I, I love that. I mean, what I'm taking away from that is exposure in order to secure your present and your future. Uh, I think that's really important. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And, and I'm actually uh, an ambassador to a movement of providing financial literacy to our community. Um, not, not that other communities aren't, are, aren't important, but I am all about my uh, community first, my, my people. And so, cause we are lacking this knowledge and this information. So it's my job to, to reach out to as many people as possible, providing them with the knowledge that I have learned over the past eight years. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Thank you so much, Darvell. Um, I think this information is really going to help our listeners and we are looking forward to your financial gym. Can you, yes, share those, can you share those with us? Okay, well, let me go ahead and get started. And I, I, I'm going to expect somebody to cut me off because I could talk about this for an hour <laughs> and a half, really. <laughs> and so uh, somebody be the timekeeper. <laughs> um, so uh, first of all, uh, I, will, I will implore the audience and yourselves to actually get a pen and paper to take some notes because uh, I'm going to be sharing some things that haven't, haven't been touched on, you haven't heard before. So at least to have a general uh, uh, note taking so, so that you can always contact me later 
to go more, do a more deep dive into some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about. Uh, so, so the first thing that I think that everyone needs to know is, or needs to do, is to take on the, the idea of saving, then spending. Save first, then spend. Okay. A lot of times we get our checks and we pay our bills and then we try to save what's left over. That's what most of us do. However, uh, I read a, a book or actually did an audio book called Richest Man in Babylon. Um, and he talked about the 10, 10, 10 rule. So you want to pay yourself first 10%. That goes into your savings. Before you even put up, put towards a bill, towards mortgage, towards rent or anything, you take 10% of your, of your income and put it into a savings uh, vehicle. The next 10, you put into an investment vehicle. So you save 10, you invest 10. And then if you're religious or spiritual, you tie 10. So I know that's not going to be everyone. So at least you're going to put away 10, save and invest 10 and then live off the 80 or the 70% that's left. Now, the problem that we have as a people is we uh, tend to live above our means. And so we say, oh, we can't do that. Yes, you can. All you got to do is cut back on some of the things, the discretionary things that you're doing on a monthly basis and just live off 80 or 70% of your income. And if you apply that 10, 10, 10 rule, you will be wealthy in the future. It might take some longer than others because if you haven't started saving and you're 50 years old, yeah, it's going to take, you're going to have to save a little bit more than that 10%. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Definitely. And I just want to add, you're right, because I have um, Truebill and it was like, whoa, you're spending way too much on um, uh, on food. Yes. And so I've gotten comfortable with Instacart, DoorDash, Anything that's like instant where I don't have mm -hmm. to go out. And it, although it's convenient, it charges a lot of money. And so yes. I told myself that I was going to, oh, and Amazon, I'm guilty, guilty <laughs> of Amazon. And so I challenged myself to remove the apps and I'm going to yeah. see how well I do. So that is right. You have to make some adjustments when you see that you're overspending and it is challenging, but that 10, 10, 10 rule, I am definitely going to apply. Yes. Yes. So, and, and it takes little small steps. You know, a lot of people think it's un, undoable or unattainable, but it's, you know, small steps, you, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And okay. so, um, so, and, and in saving that 10%, uh, you'll, you'll find that, for example, I'm giving you an example. If you're bringing home $5,000 a month and you save $500 a month, that's 10%. In 12 months, you're going to have what? $6,000. Now, most Americans can't put their hands on $1,000 if they needed it right now without borrowing it from you know, credit or whatnot. Most Americans cannot put their hands on $1,000. And so if it have, if it's, if it's America, they say when America catches a cold, black America catches pneumonia. It's oh. worse for our community. So we, we just don't simply have the savings uh, mindset. 
And so if we just do that 10%, even if we don't invest and take that 10% that we would invest and save 20%, now we have $12,000 in, in, um, in our account after one year. So, uh, I and I have lived that, I've done it. We, we need to start saving. And there's also three ways that you can save uh, when you're thinking about saving is in these, they're called tax, they're called tax buckets. So you can save into a tax now bucket and the tax now bucket includes your CDs, your savings account, checking account, real estate, because you're going to have to pay taxes on all of these saving plans or, or investment plans at the end of the year. Uh, regular investment stocks and equities, uh, any business income, that, that's all tax now. Understand that you'll be taxed at the end of the year. Uh, sometimes with a 1099 or when you do your taxes, you have to pay money on, on those gains. Then there's the tax later bucket. That's usually what's, what, what's offered at your job, your 401ks, your IRAs, annuities, any deferred comp plans. They're not taxing you on that money now. They're going to tax you later when it's time to retire or when it's time to take that money. Okay. So those are tax deferred vehicles, but it's called tax later. 529 college plans, municipal bonds, and municipal bonds are pretty much you loan the city of Inglewood uh, a million dollars and you're gonna get a return on that money tax-free. Mm. Or cash value life insurance is the last thing that a lot of people are not aware of. Now, most rich people do municipal bonds because it, it makes sense to, uh, be able to give the entity a million dollars and and get back 1.2 million tax free, then to give give them twenty thousand and get twenty two thousand dollars tax free. It doesn't make sense for us to do the the municipal bonds because it's not giving that much of a return. Okay, so those are the three ways that you can save into your future: tax now, tax later, and tax never. Okay, and, any questions on that? Um, actually, yes, Darvell. In the tax now care category, I know you mentioned mm -hmm. CDs, and just mm -hmm. as we're continuing to expose and educate, if you could um, let our listeners know what what CD stands for, like what is a oh, CD? Okay. Yes, ma'am. So, so CD is a certificate of deposit, and that's money that I mean that's a product that banks utilize. For you to get a little bit more return on your money than it, with that money sitting in a savings account. So if you have your money in a savings and checking account, you're making little to nothing return on that, maybe 0.025% interest. So you're actually losing money because of the inflation factor. Mm -hmm. But so they offer CDs and you can invest in these CDs. It could be a six month CD, a three month CD, six months, one year, two years. You'll put you'll park your money there and get a one, one and a half, two percent interest, depends on what they're offering. I've seen the three percent interest rate with uh, Navy Federal. Uh, that you're just making money, your your money is making money instead of your money just sitting there. But it's safe, it's guaranteed, you 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 won't lose money because it's not tied to the market. Anything that's tied to the market, there's some risk to it. And I'm what I mean by the market, the stock market. Okay, so that's what a CD is. Uh, I've taken advantage of a CD with Navy Federal 
at 3%. And at I just got the one year CD. And after a year, I'm going to take my, what I put into it plus what I've earned. And then I'm gonna take that money out and do then do something else with it. That's helpful, yeah, uh, Darnell, because uh, CDs I've been seeing them pop up, and I know that just because they're popping up, I was like, oh, that's interesting, but it doesn't mean that people know what they they are. So I think that was a great explanation. Thank you for people to be able to park their money for a certain per period of time and for their money to earn money. Any other questions, real quick, before I move no. on? I okay. Well, actually. I would like to hear just a little bit more about the tax never. Oh, uh, well, I'm glad <laughs> you mentioned that because I'm going to, uh, that's going to be my segue. <laughs> so the tax, the tax never bucket, uh, like I said, there's only four vehicles that offer tax never. never. You have Roth IRAs. And the thing about Roth IRAs, one, they're good but they're tied to the market. So there's a little bit of a risk. If the market goes down, you're actually gonna lose money. But the thing about Roth IRAs is it's, it's, it's an after-tax dollar contribution so that when it's time to retire, you don't have to pay taxes on that money that you gain. Uh, opposed to a regular IRA or 401k, and most people have 401ks, where they think they're gonna have $100,000 in their 401k, but they don't realize that they're going to have to pay taxes on that money when they take it out. And that taxes, it could be 20, 22%, 25%, depending on your, your uh, ordinary tax rate. So the tax never is the Roth IRA. Uh, I'm not going to worry about the municipal bonds. The 529 college plans, those are good to get your kids started. But the, there is one caveat is if you don't use the money for tuition, and uh, college expenses, then you have to pay taxes on it. So if your kid gets a full ride scholarship and you take the money and use it for something else, that's when you have to pay taxes on that five to nine money. And the last one that most people use that the wealthy and financially savvy people use is the cash value life insurance. Here you're putting money into a, a life insurance policy that builds money tax deferred, but it's also tax-free. You never have to pay taxes on that money because IRS came up with the IRS 7702 code, which says that when you save inside of a life insurance policy, as long as you keep the policy active, you don't have to pay taxes on the gains in that policy. Okay. And by the way, you get life insurance. So you're kind of, you're, you're killing two birds in one stone. You're saving and you're protecting your family if something happens to you that uh you'll leave them attack and then and that benefit that death benefit is also tax-free so they won't never have to pay taxes on that money that they get so uh you're taking care of your now and you're taking care of your afterlife as well this is awesome and i learned this a few years ago and just by the way darvell is my insurance agent and he has helped me and my family with all of these. So I encourage anyone, if not him, to support or like go to someone that you trust to help you and your family get on the right start. Absolutely. And I thank you, Chanel, or Dr. Watson, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> 
Yeah. We're, in, we're informal around here at Arvell. Oh, we're, oh, this is informal. Okay. Oh, right. So, uh, and I'll continue on in terms of uh, uh, number two. The, the thing that we have to do is protect before or to protect, then build or accumulate. So when we think about financial planning, there are four stages in financial planning. Okay, my guys might want to write this down. So first stage is the protection stage. And just think of this as a pyramid and with protection being the foundation or the base of the pyramid. So we want to protect first. Then the second stage is accumulation. We want to build our wealth. We want to save and build. Third stage is distribution, which means we want to distribute the money that we've accumulated over the years, distribute that to us in retirement so we can have a nice retirement, okay? A lot of companies, they focus on the, the accumulation, but they don't focus as much on distribution in retirement as much as they should. Here at, uh, with, with New York Life, we focus on all three, protection, accumulation, the distribution, and then ultimately the fourth stage is leaving a legacy after you have uh, gone to meet your maker, and that's important and leaving that multi-generational wealth, uh, which we don't do as much as we should in the African-American community. You know, we we leave our next generation to start off, whereas the others have left a sizable amount of money for them to not have to start over. They can use that money to for college. They can use it to build a business. They can use it for real estate investments. But we need to start thinking about that mindset of leaving generational wealth to our heirs. Why do they have to start all over again? They're left with the financial burden of yes. cleaning up, not necessarily cleaning up, but just trying to take care of all the business and, and not having the necessary funds to do so and so what and there's nothing wrong with GoFundMe but you know every time someone passes away you know it just is unfortunate for me that their loved ones are forced to GoFundMe when Mm -hmm. there's nothing in place and I just really thank my mom for listening to me (laughs) one and and at least having her finances in order. And so the last thing I needed to do was, cause not only was I grieving, you don't wanna have to stress out about the finances too. So I didn't have to stress out about how I was gonna do certain things. I could just focus on doing what I need to do and um, grieving. Absolutely, absolutely. So. You, you, your mom put a protection in place. Yes. <laughs> that was the more, that was the most important thing. She put the protection in place. And now once the protection is set, now you can work on accumulating. You can start saving. You can do your 10, 10, 10. You can invest in the stock market, you invest in crypto. You can do whatever you want to, because now if something happens while you're accumulating and you're not protected, guess what the money is going to go towards that you were accumulating, cleaning up what you didn't protect. Mm. For example, if 
and I'm gonna give my, my example of long-term care insurance. That's a form of protection as well. Um, when my mom got Alzheimer's, we had to put her in a facility and we had to pay for her care, both at the facility and at home. And she didn't qualify for Medi-Cal at the time. So we ended up spending in three and a half years, we spent $78,000 on her care because we didn't have long-term care, which would have reimbursed us whatever we paid out. Why didn't we have long-term care? Well, we simply didn't know about it. We didn't know what long-term care was until it was too late. We couldn't get it while she, after she got Alzheimer's. And so spending $78,000 in three and a half years was a, was a, a burden on the family, which pretty much was me. You know, my sister, she was already retired. So she, she was on fixed income. She couldn't uh, contribute as much. So uh, I say that to say, had I known, if I knew better, I would have done better and had long-term care. So some of the things that protection in, includes are, is life insurance, long-term care insurance, disability insurance, medical and dental and vision, home and renter's insurance, auto insurance, all these things protect against a risk that could happen as life happens. So I'm gonna go on. So the second stage is accumulation. So you can be an offensive, which means you can save uh, so that you have a nest egg. You need to have the three to six months of your expenses just sitting in a savings account so that you can touch it if, if needed. And then you got the aggressive saving, which is your mutual funds, your stocks, and uh, real estate and whatnot. So you aggressively accumulate so you can build more money. Then the distribution is basically what you're going to take when you, when you retire. Okay. Now, I know I don't have, I'm running out of time. Like I said, I can go all day. But uh, the, the, what the financial savvy and wealthy folks do, um, the main thing that they do is they, they avoid taxes. And they pay less taxes than me and you as middle, middle uh, America. And how do they do that? There's three ways that the government set up businesses. So they open up a business, whether it be a, a long-term, I mean, a, a, a sole proprietorship or an LLC, because you're, you're paying less taxes in the business than you do as a, as a uh, individual. Real estate, you know, we have that, that uh, mortgage um once we have a mortgage, we can write the mortgage off and help our taxes. Okay. And then the last one is they invest in life insurance policies that will give you that tax-free return as well. Okay. So that's three ways that, that they avoid taxes. They also build a, what they call a buffer asset. We call a buffer asset. That means it's a whole life policy or cash value policy that they accumulate this money so that they can have capital later to invest in anything and opportunities that may arise, start a business, college funding for their kids, okay? And they can always borrow that tax-free and penalty-free, unlike a 401k. And the, uh, the last thing I want to say, what they do is they use life insurance for living and death benefits. So most people think of life insurance as, oh, this is for my, my kids and my my heirs when I die. No, you can use life insurance while you're living by building tax-free accumulation, accumulation that can go towards anything that you want to. You don't have to apply for this money. It's just a phone call. Hey, Darvell, uh, how much do I have in my account? 
I got about 12,000. Okay, and this is a true story. Okay, no, you have about 13,000. He said, man, I need $12,000 because I owe the IRS and I want to get them off my back. Okay, brother, you have your money in two to three business days. He got his money paid off the IRS and now he's kind of, you know, living a, a little bit less stressed because the IRS is not on his back. But that's just an example of what you can do to you when you use the living benefits in your life insurance policy. And uh, just wanted to cover some of the hacks that I wanted to uh, tell the audience and listeners. Yes, yes. One, please do. One hack is to is to get a life insurance policy so that <laughs> you can start saving money on a tax-free basis and you're killing two birds in one stone. So that's the main one. Two, never use your debit card for purchases. Uh, when you get when you use a debit card, you don't have as many protections as you do when you use a credit card. So with that, you have to build your credit up so that you can get these credit cards that offer uh, rewards, whether it be points or whether it be cash back. I use my credit card for everything. And then I pay the bill twice a month and just replace what I, what I used it. But in the meantime, in three months, I've built 22,000 points on this one credit card, which is equivalent to $224. So I'm making money by spending money that I would already be doing anyway. You don't get that when you use your debit card. So I implore people never to use your debit card for purchases. Use your credit card and pay the credit card down. Gems. The second one is basically build your credit. And because you can leverage your credit to make money with your credit card. For example, you can... If you have a business, you can get start building business credit. And I have an ebook for that. You know, uh, we'll leave my number and everything. I have an ebook that will tell you how to build your LLC so that you can start building business credit. And business credit usually offers you more than individual credit uh, companies. Also, you can you can, I guess, sell your good credit to someone who needs to build their credit. It's called an authorized user. So if I have a $10,000 credit card and, and my buddy needs to use that credit card to build off my good credit, to get their credit up to build, to buy a home or buy a car, whatever he wants to do, I can sell him my good credit for about 200, 300. Some people sell this for $500 and just keep them on that card for about three or four months enough time for him to get what he needs to get. And then I take him off the card. Now he doesn't have access to the card. He's just borrowing my good credit. So if you have good credit, you can leverage your credit and make, make some money, you know, second stream of income. Also, if you do have a business, use your business to get your money back. And that's in the, in the, in the name of tax write-offs. Okay, there are a lot of tax deductions and tax write-offs that you can get you using your business that you, that you can't get as an individual. Okay, so if you have a business, start using, to talk to your tax professional to get those tax write-offs. And also last one that I want to talk about is the reporting date on your credit card is more important than the due date. The reporting date is what is the date that the statement closes. For example, if your statement closes on the 25th of the month, that date is more important than the due date. And they're usually different dates. That's the date that the credit card company reports to the credit bureaus. So you want your balance to be low 
at that date so that it would boost up your credit. Because part of credit is, is, a, is a data point called credit utilization. Right. If you bring your utilization down when they report, it's going to boost up your credit score. So a lot of people say, oh, no, the due date is more important. Let me pay by the due date. And then they start charging things. And now the credit balance is up when, they, when it's time to report. No, no, no. Let's do it the other way. Make sure you're paying more upon that reporting date or that closing date. And if and you can change your reporting date to be right after your due date. So that way you're going to, you're killing two birds in one stone. You're paying it by the due date and you're paying by the reporting date all in one payment. So uh, that's, I mean, I have a few other hacks, but that's all I have for right now because I know I'm short on time. Yes, no, but they are great gems. And I'm sure um, most of us can utilize something that you said today, Darvell. Thank you so much. I'm yes. writing stuff down. And the last one for sure, I didn't know that. So I'm definitely going to make sure that they are aligned so I can increase my credit score even more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you, you know, Chanel, you can always give me a call and or anyone can give me a call for that matter. Um, you know, with, with, you can call me or you can email me. Okay. So uh, my phone number is 310-714-1817. 310-714-1817. And you can pretty much call me any anytime before 10 p.m. Because uh, I'm old and I go to bed pretty early. You know what? Stop it. <laughs> wow. Okay, and, 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 and that's that's 10 p.m. Uh, Los Angeles time. So that Los Angeles time. Yes, Absolutely. for for all of our we have listeners all over. So yes, they you might oh, get okay. some late yeah, phone calls. Glad. But yeah, also, you, I just want to add you also text him or email yes. him. Yes, and so you text me on that number. My email is D, and it's pretty long. It's D, as in Darbell, Williams13 at FT, that's Frank Thomas, dot New York Life, spelled out, dot com. So I'll repeat it. D, Williams13 at FT dot new york life dot com you can also hit me on facebook darvell williams you can hit me up on instagram at darvell w financial at darvell w financial so any anytime you have any questions like i said i don't try to sell i just want to educate and, and when you know better you do better and once you're educated, you can make a, an informed decision about your individual situation. Everybody's different. So that's why I say I do holistic planning individually. I don't do this whole Susie Orman thing where you're talking to everybody. Uh, everybody has a different situation, a different circumstance in their lives. It's definitely a personalized experience and he is available. He makes himself available and it's personalized and it's individualized. And I feel like um, I'm in good hands. So that brings us to the end of 
when you know better, you do better. Financial Gems with Darvell Williams. Being whole is for everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to listen and subscribe. And until next time, be loved, be well, be whole.